Hi there, this is Jacob Msiba, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today. And I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message and God bless you. We are still on that hope tip. Uh, It's still August and uh, our theme for the month of August is One Hope. And still under that theme, uh, I am going to be talking to us uh, this morning. Still under the theme, One Hope. Somebody say, I have hope. Somebody say, I have hope. Please turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter number 41. Isaiah, chapter number 41. Shout, I have hope. Isaiah, chapter number 41. Isaiah, chapter number 41. I'm going to be reading it in the New Living Translation. The Bible says in verse number 10, It says, don't be afraid. Now, I was just thinking that maybe if God is saying don't be afraid, sometimes we are even tempted to hear him, I mean to, to ask him a question to say, are you sure you are also talking about me? I'm in South Africa. Must I not be afraid? where you may be talking about those who don't have anything to be afraid of, where you're also including us who have almost everything to be afraid about. But knowing that when God speaks, he speaks to us all his children. He is also including us who are here in South Africa. Somebody say amen. Amen. Now he says, don't be afraid. Yes, even you who have everything to be afraid about. He says, don't be afraid. And I I, I began to think, to say, when somebody is so bold to say to you, don't be afraid, it means that they know that they have something to protect you with. It means that they know that they have the ability to cause you to not experience harm. That's why they are bold enough to say, don't be afraid. So we see God in this scripture saying, don't be afraid. And God has got a reason. Sometimes when you are walking down the street, those who are like me, who grew grew up in a township, uh, you you will know that sometimes when you are walking on the streets of your township at night, Sometimes comes uh, people who are approaching, maybe a person or people that are a bit dodgy, that you are not really sure what are their intentions. Are they really going somewhere or they are looking for somebody like you? Hallelujah. And uh, if you are maybe walking with somebody uh, and then that person says, don't be afraid. And then... When you are wondering why are they so bold, why are they so bold in saying don't be afraid, and then they show you, uh, and then they show you I have something, something. You begin to even not be afraid as well, because you know that this person is capable of protecting me. This person has got something that empowers him to. Protect me. So that person becomes bold in saying, don't be afraid. 
So in this scripture, we see God saying, don't be afraid. And then he gives us the reason, I am with you. The reason why you must not be afraid is because I am with you. And I am not just with you just to run away with you when it's time to run away. But I am with you and I am capable of protecting you. So he says, do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Here it comes. It reason of being so bold that we must not be discouraged and that we must not be afraid and uh, 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 that we must expect being strengthened by him. It is because, number one, he is with us. And number two, it is because he trusts his right hand because his right hand is victorious. His right hand is never defeated. His, his right hand has been proven to always see victory. So that's why he says, do not be afraid. And I love it in the message translation. It says, don't panic. How many times have you find yourself in a situation and you begin to panic? And in most cases when we panic, it's because we have forgotten who's with us. He says, don't panic. I'm with you. There is no need to fear for I'm your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. And I will keep a firm grip on you. In other words, I will not let you go. It doesn't matter how strong the winds may be. It doesn't matter how strong the situation can seem to be. It doesn't matter how big the giant can seem to be. But I have a hand that is able to keep a firm grip on you so that you do not fall. There's no need for you to panic. Even the situation that I am in, God, yes, no need for you to panic. But things are not going my way. It seems as if I'm going to go down. Yes, do not panic, for I am with you. And the title of our message this morning is He is with me. Somebody declare He's with me. Come on, somebody declare He's with me. Shout He's with me. Shout He's with me. Until you believe it, He's with me. Until the problems you left back home can hear, He's with me. Declare He's with me. Yes, He is with you now. Being without Christ leaves us with a void of having no hope. Leaves us with a void of hopelessness. Being without Christ leaves us without hope because if you are not in Christ Jesus, it means you are not with God. There is no one who goes to the Father except through me, says Jesus. So if you are not born again, you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you are not in Christ, there is no way that you can be in God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 2, 
verse number 12, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So if you are not in Christ, you are not in God and therefore you have no hope. That's what the Bible says. Because for you to be able to have your hope in God, you must be in Christ. Because anyone who goes to God must first go through Christ. So you cannot say, I'm going to put my hope in God and I don't want to be born again. It is impossible that you can put your hope in God and yet say you do not want Christ Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. So this is the reason why then uh, even in the Bible there is a question that is posed that says what is the hope of those who are godless? Job chapter number 27 verse number 8 it says, for what hope have the godless? Because God is our only hope. I'm sure we can all attest to that fact, given the reason of everything that is going on around us. If you are a person living in this day and age, you will agree with me to say that we all need to have hope because we are living in hopeless times. We are living in the world that is full of things that can even justify us to be hopeless. But if you have God, then you have hope because the Bible says, what is the hope of the godless? I feel sorry for a person who does not have a relationship with God in this day and age because really what is their hope? Because sometimes other people will say, I have hope because it is easy for this economy to give me something. But in this one, there is nothing that we can say we, we is guaranteed for us unless we hope in God. Somebody say amen. amen. In the world that is full of sicknesses and diseases, what is the hope of the godless? Because there is no one else. In our days, there are even diseases that, are, that don't have the cure. They don't have the cure for the diseases that are striking this world uh, in this day and age. But then, if you do not have God, what is your hope for healing? Because if you have God, you can have hope in God. Because the God that you have hope in is able to heal. Somebody say, Amen. Now, what is hope? What is hope? Hope defined, um, uh, it says, hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. That is the definition of hope. And then the biblical meaning of hope is simply confident expectation. Somebody say confident expectation. <laughs> say it again, confident expectation. So expectation when it comes to our hope is critical. Expectation when it comes to what we are hoping for is critical. But not just expectation, but confident expectation. And when I see this definition, uh, uh, that is th that what, what is defined, what hope is defined as in the Bible, I am reminded of the book of Acts chapter number 3, in verse number 4, in verse number 5, 
whereby there was a man who was lame for many years, sitting by the gate of beautiful. That man, when he sat there, he had no hope. He had no hope because things were just not happening for him in such a way that one day when uh, Peter and John were going about their business, going into the temple to pray, the Bible says they then uh, 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 gave this man attention. But what I like about this man, the Bible says he looked at Peter and John expecting so he was confident in the fact that these people will be able to help me with my condition. And then he was confident and his confidence was not only in his heart, but his confidence was followed by action of expectation. Somebody say expectation. So we need to be expectant and we need to be confident, not in ourselves, but we need to be confident in God. So when you are expecting something from God, you must not, be, you must not expect it uh, uh, and then be confident in your, un, in your own ability to produce what you are seeking for. But you need to be confident in the ability that God carries and then you are going to be sorted by God. Somebody say amen. In the book of Hebrews, chapter number 10, verse number 35, the Bible says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. So when you are confident in God, you are going to receive great rewards. Even this man was looking at Peter and John, expecting with great expectation. Expectation is a, is, is a, is a great thing in the equation of faith. Whenever you say you have faith in God to produce certain results in your life, you need to have expectation. You need to expect God to do it for you. And each time you embark on a faith, on, on a faith journey, that faith journey needs to have expectation involved in that journey. And then you will have the great reward. Somebody say amen. In the book of 1 John chapter number 3, verse number 21, the Bible says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Now, confidence in God delivers answers to our prayers. I said confidence plays a critical role in our faith journey. Whatever it is that you are embarking on believing God, whatever promise that you are putting your faith in God for. Do not leave expectation and confidence outside of that equation. Somebody say amen. amen. Because the confidence that we have in God will always deliver answered prayers. So if there are some answers that are pending, just like you and I, there are many things that we are trusting God for. There are many things that we are believing God for and we are praying to God for those things, but they seem to be delaying. Maybe this morning God is reminding us of having confidence in him, in saying it doesn't matter how long it takes, at the end of the day, God will come through for me. That is the confidence in knowing that he is not going to leave me 
and he's not going to forsake me. He is going to come and reward my faith with an answer for my prayer. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, someone may ask, how do I have confidence in God? First John chapter number two, verse number 28 answers that question. It says, and now little, little children abide in him that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. So that's the answer. You become confident in God by abiding in him. And this word abide means to remain. So in other words, for you to communicate your confidence in God is to remain. No matter what may come your way, you remain. You remain. That's how you display your confidence in God. That no matter the storms that may come your way, you remain. That no matter what the devil may throw at you, you remain. Why? You have confidence in God. To say God is not going to leave me alone in this world without any help. God is with me. You have confidence in God if you remain. People who don't have confidence in God are people who try praying to God and God does not answer maybe the time that they want him to answer or he does not answer the way that they expect him to answer and then they remove themselves from God. Why? Because they are not confident in God. Their confidence has been tempered with in as far as God is concerned. But this word that is a, a, a teaching us this morning to say to have confidence in God is to abide, which means to remain. So in other words, whether you bless me the way I expect you to bless me or not, I will remain because I have confidence in you. I have confidence that you know what you are doing. That even if it does not happen the way I want it to happen, but you know what you are doing. You are sovereign. You are God. You have a better perspective than I do. I'm confident in your leadership in my life. I'm confident in, 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 in the fact that you know what you are doing with my life. You know why you brought me here. Because I did not bring myself here. You are the one who brought me here. And therefore, there is no way that I can have better plans for me than you. That is confidence in God remaining. Remaining when everything points towards the door. That is confidence in God. Remaining in Him. It also means to stay and it also means to continue. So in other words, even whether what I am trusting you for or what I am practicing my faith for is not coming yet. However, I am going to continue. I'm going to continue doing what you have told me to do. I'm not going to stop because things are not going my way. That's how you communicate confidence in God. By being steadfast. By being a person who remains. By continuing. By staying. That's how you abide. And uh, now, when we lack hope, 
There is nothing that says to us things will be okay. There is nothing that says to us things will not remain this way. There is nothing that says to us things will work out. So if we let go of hope, we are giving up on ourselves. When we let go of hope, there is nothing that is going to say in the inside of us, yes, things are not going my way right now. Yes, things are not happening the way I wish they would happen. However, I know that it is not going to remain like this forever. But if you are hopeless, you don't have that. You don't have that assurance that it is not going to be like this forever. Something is going to happen that will take me out of this situation or of this circumstance. So when we lack hope, we lack the confidence that it will be well with us. So we end up going around living our lives without any form of confidence to say, even if I can't afford one, two, three, and four right now, but at the end of the day, something has got to give and something will happen so that then I can be able to afford. And when we do not, hope, when we do not have hope, we then become afraid. When we don't have this hope that says in the inside of us, things are not going to remain like this forever. When we do not have that hope that says to us, God will come through for us. When we do not have this hope that says to us, tomorrow I might wake up with another story. If we do not have that hope, then fear grips our heart. Then fear comes and then we are fearful instead of being hopeful. We become people who don't think that there is something better for us in our tomorrow. But we will think that things are going to get worse. Because each and every time when you do not have hope, when you do not have that thing that says to you in the inside of you, things are not going to be like this forever. Then you become fearful of tomorrow. And yet the Bible teaches us that we must not be fearful of tomorrow. Because uh, God has got it covered already. The Bible says don't worry because fear is also worry. When you are worried, it's, it means you are fearful. But the Bible encourages us not to worry about what we are going to wear, about what we are going to eat. It even says for tomorrow will take care of itself. Let, let, let's just talk, Bazalwan. Have you ever experienced a dark season in your life or a dark day? In such a way that you will think this feeling will last forever. In such a way that you will think this challenge will last forever. And lo and behold, you go to sleep and the next day comes and you feel much better. That is why it is important to have hope in your heart because that's the reason why other people end up taking their lives based on how they feel today. But they don't know how they are going to feel tomorrow. So if you have hope and you, and, and you keep the hope in your heart, you will say, even though today is this dark, but lo and behold, joy comes in the morning. There's going to be a dawning of a new day. It does not matter how dark it can be. But whether can I come up now? With the night, whether is it okay for me to come up now? The, the sun just rises, and then the night, the darkness must just flee because there is nothing 
presence of the light. Now that hope that we are talking about is the light that is in the inside of us. That when everything around us seems to be so dark, that when everything around us seems to be night, but there is that sun that rises from the inside of us, which is the hope that we have in God. And when it rises from the inside of us, it can even affect the surroundings outside of us. Somebody say amen. When you are without hope, you lose your confidence. When you are without hope, you become fearful. When you are without hope, instead of being a person who is full of faith, you become a person who is full of fear. And each time we are full of fear, we begin to look at the impossible situations around us and we see all the evidence that indeed things will go wrong. Because whenever you are looking for the evidence in the impossible situations that you find yourselves in, you will find the evidence. There will always be the evidence that this thing is not going to work out for me. But lo and behold, if you are a person who is full of hope, hope says to you, it's not going to end like this. It will not always be like this. Yes, you will see that the situation is impossible, but there is a God who is able to deal with impossible situations. Somebody say amen. Amen. So now when our hearts are filled with fear, because of the impossible situations that we find ourselves in, then the devil has got a foothold. Because it is always said that fear is false evidence appearing real. When the enemy gives you the evidence that things are always going to be dark in your life, when the enemy gives you evidence that things are not going to be okay with you, it is is that when you are feeling fearful, in your heart. Now God wants us to give him faith so that he can work, but the enemy looks for fear. So God looks for faith and the enemy looks for fear because just as much as hope is the evidence of things hoped for, fear is also the evidence of things not hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Fear is the substance of things we don't hope for. So when we are fearful in our heart, we are going to attract things we don't really want. In fact, we are going to to attract the opposite of what we want from God. But when we become fearful, we then give the foothold to the devil because the devil feeds from fear. And then he is able to manifest the things that are going to kill, that are going to steal, that are going to destroy. He can even steal our joy by reason of fear in our hearts. And you wonder why am I sad all the time? I have no joy. You are fearful maybe. Maybe you are fearful of what is my tomorrow going to look like. Maybe you are fearful if you are ever going to find that job. Maybe you are fearful if the blessing is going to remain. Because sometimes fear is not about what you don't have. Sometimes you are fearful because of what you have. 
But confidence in God says to us, we need to put our hope in God to say, even if what I have does, it, it maybe does not last, but the one who has given it to me is able to reproduce it. Somebody say, Amen. So Satan thrives on fear. That's why in the Bible, Job chapter number three, verse number 25, Job says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me and what I dreaded has happened to me. Now, how do I overcome hopelessness and fear? Somebody may be sitting down there and as I am speaking, you are saying, yo, I'm such a fearful person. Maybe I'm sick in my body and I'm so fearful that maybe things are not going to go well with me. Maybe there is a situation at work and you are fearful that maybe you will be retrenched or maybe you will be fired from your job. Maybe you are sitting here, you are fearful that my business is going down. My business might not survive this contract not being renewed. Maybe you are sitting down there and you are fearful to say, even though God has blessed me with this marriage, but it might not last. Maybe you are busy in your heart. You are being fearful and you need a remedy. Or you, you, maybe you are hopeless. There are situations and circumstances that are surrounding you that have dealt with your hope to the bottom, that have dealt with your hope to the end, that your hope is gone. You are feeling hopeless. You just dragged yourself to church this morning, but you did well because today is the day where hope will come back, where hope will be revived in your heart, where hope will come again, where hope will rise again in your heart. Somebody say amen. So now maybe you are asking, then what is the remedy for this fear that I have in my heart? Because I know what the doctor said and I cannot unhear what my boss said and I cannot unread the email that I read on Friday and I cannot unhear what they said about me but I am feeling so hopeless and I am feeling so fearful and there is nothing that I can do but I want you to know there is a remedy for hopelessness. There is a remedy for fear. I want you to pay close attention to what I am going to say this morning because it is going to help you and take you out of that hopelessness uh, hole that you are in because the evidence is there and I said in Pinoni when I was preaching there this morning I said even when you assess the situation the evidence is there that all odds are against you. There is nothing wrong with assessing the, the, the evidence. There is nothing wrong with assessing the situation but you must assess it so that you can tell it that your God is bigger than it. So maybe you came this morning having assessed your situation and you realize that on my own, I cannot be able to come out of, the, to come out of this situation. With my own strength, I cannot be able to come out of this situation. Maybe you have even sat down and said to yourself, let me just accept this challenge. Let me just accept this situation. Let me just accept this joblessness. Let me just accept this sadness. Let me just accept what I am going through. Let me just accept this sickness in such a way that I am even saying, it's my sickness, I'm going to live with it. But this morning I'm here to challenge us. Let hope arise again. Let hope come back to life in 
your life and hope again. But then I can't afford not to tell you how to get rid of hopelessness and fear. Because at the end of the day, fear is there. Hopelessness is there. And I want to come out of it. It's not like I love how I am feeling right now. I don't like the way that I feel. I don't like the fact that I've thrown, the, I've thrown in the towel. I don't like the fact that I have accepted what God did not declare upon my life. I don't like the fact, I have, uh, the fact that I have accepted that I will never be healed, but I will continue with my sickness. I'm not going to even, uh, maybe in a way, try and say to you, it is, you, you are wrong to feel fearful. But all that I am going to do this morning is to give you the remedy. And if we practice the remedy, then fear will go. Just like what I said, that when it's dark and it's night, the sun just comes up. It does not negotiate with the night. And then the night knows it's no longer my turn. Hope is going to come back to you this morning. And everything that you have been going through that causes you to be hopeless and fearful is going to let go of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now there is a remedy to overcome hopelessness and fear. And that remedy is the revelation of the love of God. The Bible says there is no fear in love. And the Bible says God is love. So if you have the revelation of the love of God, how much God loves you? How much God loves you? If you have that revelation, you will then know that it won't end like this. This will not be the end. Because if God is not done with me, it's not the end. The revelation of love is the remedy so that we can be able to overcome hopelessness and fear. We need to know and believe that God loves us and he wants the best for us. It sounds simple, but sometimes it becomes very difficult to be steadfast and to know and to be rooted in the knowledge of the fact that God loves me and he wants the best for me. So in other words, if the situation that you find yourself in is not what God wants for you, don't accept it and become hopeless and say, I'm just going to live with this for the rest of my life. Somebody say, amen. amen. God wants the best for us. The revelation of the love of God is in the fact that he sent his, his only begotten son that, so that he can come and die for us. And the Bible says only then everything else he can be able to, uh, uh, to give to us. If he was able to give us his only begotten son. I mean, he loved his son, but he did not withhold him from us. He did not say, no, die in your sins. I'm not going to give you my son to come and die for you. You can die for yourselves. He did not say that. Because he was moved with love. He loved us to the extent of letting go of his son and bringing him down to earth, from heaven to earth. Not to come and just look at us 
and talk to us and talk us out of our sins, but to come and die. Not that God did not know that when he comes, he was going to come and die. God knew that as I sent him on earth, he's going there to die. But because he loved you so much, but because he loved me so much, he decided to send him anyway. He decided to say, you go anyway, as painful as it is. But because I love him so much, but because I love her so much, I am not going to withhold my son. I'm going to let go of my son. I'm going to give my son so that he can go and die for their sins so that they can be reconciled back to me. God was moved with love, not wanting to stay away from men, not wanting to stay away from you and I, not being happy when you, when you were away from him. He was not happy at all. That is why even the person who loves you, when they have not seen you for quite some time, they are going to send you a text and say, I miss you. So when God was moved with compassion and with love, it was because he missed the fellowship that he had with his creation. That is you and I moved by that love to say, I don't want them away from me, but I want them close to me. I want them in me where the Bible says, in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. God understood that we are no longer living the way he created created us to live and therefore moved with love. He sent his only begotten son. That's the highest. The highest form of love. And he did it. How much more about your situation? How much more about what you are going through? How much more about the things that are worrying you in your heart? How much more about the things that brings fear in your mind? How much more about the things that causes you not to sleep at night? How much more about all of those things? If he was able, knowing very well that the son was coming to die, yet he sent him anyway. I wouldn't send my child anywhere, even if there is the slightest, slightest tense of danger. I wouldn't. But God knew he was coming to die. God knew he was even coming to die for people that are going to reject him. And yet he did not say, no, sit down, let me protect you. They will see to finish. He did not say that, but he gave him. Now, if you can have that revelation of the love of God, of how much God loves you, to what extent can God go just to rescue you? If you can have that revelation of how many mountains he can climb just to rescue you. Because he loves you. Then you will have hope in your heart. First John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He who fears does not understand how great the love of God is for them. So each and every time when we feel fearful by the situations we find ourselves in or the challenges that we are faced with even right now, let us confront that fear with the love of God. Tell that situation that God loves me too much to let me be finished by you. 
God loves me too much. Tell that disease, God loves me too much to let me be killed by you. God loves me too much to let me be destroyed by you. Whatever situation, whatever circumstance that you may find yourself in, even if it's joblessness, even if it's unemployment because the unemployment rate is so high and maybe you have not been employed and you don't know how are you going to feed your family, how are you going to feed your children. I want you to look that situation in the eye and say even though you are very much convincing to say you are going to finish me and I might die like this, but this Sunday I went to church and they preached and they said, God loves me too much to leave me like this. There's hope for me. There's something that can still happen with my life and God is well and able to bring it to pass. Somebody say amen. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. So in other words, if you are too, if you are a person who struggles with fear a lot, what you need to do is to perfect the love. Get the revelation, ask the Holy Spirit to show you. Search for scriptures that talk about the love of God for you. And see how much God loves you. And begin to have opened eyes towards the love of God for you. And then fear will leave you. And then you will begin to be full of hope again. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. God loves us. And God is with us. There's no need for us to be afraid. He does not just love us while he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus does not just love us while he is in heaven living his best life. But God loves us in the manner that he is with us. Wherever we are, no matter what we are going through, he is there with us. As I said, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. So whether I am going to work, he is with me. When I am going to, when I'm going to my home, he is with me. When I'm going to look for a job, he is with me. When I am going through troubles, he is with me. When trials and tribulations seem to have its way with me, he is with me. In the midst of the fire, he is with me. When I am thrown in the den of lions, he is with me. When things are not going my way, he is with me. He does not say I'm going to leave you alone. You all know the story of the footprints. That there was a set of footprints when a person was walking on the sand. And there was a set of footprints. There were four sets of uh, sets or two sets of footprints. And then uh, at some point when they were going through the most difficult times, they thought God was not not with them because as they looked back they saw one set of footprints but then they did not know that at those times of difficulties at those times of uncertainties at those times of not knowing whether I am coming or going it's not that he has left me the footprints that I see are his because he is carrying me he is with me the Bible says though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil. Why don't you fear any evil, David? Because he is with me. It's not that I'm not going to go to the valley. The valley I shall go because life is, is full of valleys and life is full of mountains. At some point I am on the mountaintop, but God does not only love me when I'm on the mountaintop, but sometimes I can find myself in the valley. But 
that right even in the valley he is with me David could attest to that fact that even though I see myself in the valley but he is with me that's why I am not afraid that I, that's why I am not going to be dismayed that's why I am not going to lose heart that's why I'm not going to lose hope because he is with me even in the valley even in the valley sometimes when we find ourselves in the valley we think that God has left us sometimes when we find ourselves in the valley we just become on autopilot and say because there's nothing else I can do on Sundays I'm always going to church but there's no hope in me anymore we see you coming to church we see you serving a church we see you sitting down every Sunday and we are convinced that all is well with you only to find that all in, deep down in the inside of you hope is busy leaving you fear is busy gripping your heart you are in the valley what I don't like about the valley is that sometimes the valley can cause us to even uh, shy away from doing what God has called us to do sometimes we do it without the meaning which gives us no results because we are doing it without any meaning but we are in the valley but this morning I have come for people who have found themselves in the valley but what I love is that David the, his choice of words in this scripture he says though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil so in other words he knows that I don't go to stay in the valley I go through the valley I don't sit in the valley I go through the valley which means this situation that I find myself in is not going to be permanent it is not going to be forever yes the challenge is big but it is not forever yes the challenge is intimidating me but it is not going to be forever yes the valley is dark but it is not going to be forever I am reminded of the man who was once who was once drawn by the spirit of God into the valley of, 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 of dry dead bones he was led by the spirit of the Lord so sometimes you need to know that it is not because there is something wrong that you have done when you find yourself in the valley it does not mean that you have backslidden when you find yourself in the valley it does not mean that God is not impressed with you when you find yourself in the valley Ezekiel when he found himself faced with a situation of dead dry bones he was led by the spirit of God so he was led to the valley by the very spirit that we always think can only lead us to the mountain he was led by the spirit of God in the valley try dead bones not just a shadow this time but neighbor not a shadow a shadow is better Oba, you can say in the name of Jesus Hey, spirits, what are you doing here? Get out. But when we are confronted with bones, bones, dry, dead bones, a heap of them, the Bible says it was an army. So it's not five bones. It's not seven bones. It's not 100 bones. It's not 1,000 bones. But a, a, in a structure of just one soldier, in a structure of just one person, how many bones are there? 
But he was led into the valley that was full of scary things. Maybe someone under the sound of my voice is in the valley and there are scary things. But as scary as they can be, don't fear them. They can live again. Don't fear them. The Bible says the righteous are fearless because there is a voice that is telling them it shall be well with them. In the book of Isaiah chapter number 3, verse number 10, the Bible says, Say to the righteous, say I am the righteous. Come on, say I am the righteous. The Bible says, say to the righteous that it shall be well with them for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. The righteous, it shall be well with them. And I am here this morning to let the righteous at Builders Church and those following us online, that it shall be well with you. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Don't lose hope. Don't lose heart. It shall be well with you. It shall be well with you in the valley. It shall be well with you in the mountain. It shall be well with you whether it seems as though things are happening and it shall be well with you when things are really happening. It shall be well with you. Why? Because God is with you. I know what you are going through today. I know what you have heard with your ears. I know what you have read with your eyes. And I know what the enemy has been whispering. It has caused you to be fearful. But take heart this morning. I'm here to say there is hope for you because the Bible says there is hope for a tree even though it may be cut down at the center of the waters it shall sprout up back up again I see you sprouting up back up again in your finances you will sprout up oh in your marriage you will sprout up in your health you will sprout up in your calling you will sprout up in the name of Jesus Christ do not be fearful do not lose heart don't be scared. Yes, the valley may look scary. The bones are dry and there are many. You might not even know what to do with them. But then, the one who is with you tells you to prophesy. Prophesy on the situation. Prophesy on the situation. Prophesy on the situation. Prophesy on the situation. On the situation. There are many situations and circumstances that has gripped our hearts with fear. And God says, I'm here with you. And when God is with you, He brings you success. He brings you prosperity. He brings you favor. He brings you elevation. He brings you promotion. When God is with you, He manifests Himself as a, the only true God that even when situations are hard, but they are not hard for God, and this morning I want you to know that there is hope for you and there is hope for what you are going through. Even if there is something that you have lost, I'm here this morning to declare that there shall be double for your trouble in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but there are so many things that I have lost and I am here this morning to prophesy on my situation and on my circumstance and I declare in the name of Jesus Christ that there shall be double for my trouble whatever it is that I have lost the enemy will bring together he will bring sevenfold he will pay because when the thief has been caught stealing he is supposed to restore and I declare this morning there shall be restoration because we are not people who are hopeless 
We are not people who are fearful. We are not people who do not know their God. We are people who know how much our God loves us and he is not going to leave us alone. And whatever it is that the enemy has stolen, I declare that he shall return it sevenfold in the name of Jesus Christ. It's payback time. Double for my trouble. The heartache I felt. Double for my trouble. The fear I felt. Double for my trouble. The loss I felt. Double for my trouble. I declare restoration in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It does not matter what you've gone through. It does not matter what you have lost. God is a God who can restore. Cry out, restore. Cry out, restore. Cry out, restore. It does not restore just once. It does not restore just what you lost. But when he begins to restore, he brings back a good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over. I have hope in God. My God is with me. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for he is with me. And I declare, just as he tells me, that you shall pay devil. You shall pay devil. You shall pay devil. Double for my trouble. Double for my trouble. Double for the fact that I have been unemployed for a long time. Double for my... Double for my... Double for my children. Double in my finances. Double in my health. Double in my business. Double in my job. The devil is about to pay. The devil is about to pay. The devil is about to pay. I declare restore. 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 Hope is rising. Hope is rising. Hope is rising. Hope is rising. Double for your trouble. Double for your trouble. In the name of Jesus Christ. Double for my trouble. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the valley, we don't sit there. Even if we cry, but there's something we do in the valley. Even if we cry. Even with tears. Even with tears running down our cheeks. There's something that we do. Somebody is asking, what do I do? Mamfundi is in the veil. I praise in advance. I don't wait to get out of the veil. I praise God in advance. I praise Him right in the midst of my situation. Right in the midst of the circumstances that the devil thinks is going to take me out. I praise Him right in that valley. Right in that valley. Faced with those bones. I praise Him. I praise Him. Listen. When we were buying the building in Pinoni, the day when all the odds were against us, the day when we saw that evidence is there, that this is not going to work. I was in the valley with tears 
took my dad, opened two pages, the left and the right, that wrote 1.5 million. Put it down on the floor in my room, alone with no one in the house. You are in danger if you only pray the church. There's no valley here. Yeah, there are even singers who are going to lead you and, 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 and pump you in, in such a way that you even forget you're in the valley when you're in the church. I'll bear up hands. There'll be victory. Started dancing. My body is not allowing me. My mind is not allowing me. My feelings are not allowing me. The evidence is not allowing me. But I started and I said, okay, when you give us this money, this is how I will praise you. This is how I will praise you. I began to turn around. I began to go around the paper. I began to go around the paper. And I said, you are worthy of praise. You are worthy of worship. There is no one like you. Glorious God. You are mighty in battle. There is nothing hard for you. There is nothing difficult for you. Oh, what a mighty God you are. I praise him. There was no 1.5 million. I praise him. There was no money in the bank. I praise him. Evidence was against me. I praise him. Praise him in advance. Praise him in advance. In the name of Jesus Christ. Praise him this morning. Restoration is coming. Restoration is coming. Restoration is here. In the name of Jesus Christ. Restoration is here. Double for your trouble. Double for your trouble. Double for your trouble. I don't know what you are faced with. But double for your trouble. Not just a breakthrough. But double. 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 Devil have suffered enough. Pay back. Pay back. Double. Double. One more minute. One more minute. Praise him in that valley. Begin to think about your failure and your challenge. And praise him. And praise him. I'm going to give you a moment. With your valley. Your valley is not my valley. Their valley is not your valley. Your valley. Going to give you a few minutes. Confront that valley with praise. Praise in the valley. Woo! Wash that up, Akasa. Wash that up, Akasa.
mountain that refuses to move. If I have to, I will climb on you. I will get there, no man and journey. There will be victory after this. There will be victory after this. There will be victory after this. Once again for listening to the message today we trust that you were blessed by it please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week thank you very much and keep on building